Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 134. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I am just dandy. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, so uh, this week is the second of a two-parter that we had uh, talking with Donovan Farrow of Alias, formerly Alias Forensics. If you haven't listened to episode 133 from last week, uh, really do go back and give that a listen. We kind of covered his journey into the field of IT and then into uh, security and forensics. Definitely worth a listen before this one. This week, Donovan's going to get into some advice for those out there who may want to get into the cybersecurity industry. And yes, if you are an IT generalist or someone who likes to tinker, perhaps it could be for you. He also talks about mentorship and reasons why he likes to mentor others. He even gives us some really good insight on what it's like to own and slightly change the direction of a company. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to listen again to the section on uh, being a business owner and what what that's like. So um, without further delay, let's get into it. Part two of two with Donovan Farrell. Let me ask this, Donovan. If you were giving someone advice who was maybe looking to break into the security industry, what would you tell them to look for to determine whether it's going to be interesting and enjoyable for them? If you are at home at night and you're like, man, I wonder if I can break into my other computer. And you're like, what does it take to do that? Like I'm discovering this thing called Metasploit. What is Metasploit? And I'm learning about it. I'm learning about Kali. And I'm trying to use these these exploits against other machines in my obviously test lab, not to do it on any other machine because that's illegal. But in your test environment, you say, you know what? I tried these. That's very interesting. I want to know why it didn't work and I want to know why it did work. If you have that curiosity about like, it's almost like if you're that kid that took, uh, you know, your, your Tonka truck apart or you took a clock apart. If you want to know how it works, like you, your mindset is probably in a good spot to be a really good pen tester um, I always make fun of all the coders all the time. I'm not a coder. And, you know, you guys, you guys make stuff. Pen testers, we break stuff. So um, it's it's a different mindset. It's a different mindset for sure. And there's also ethical hacking too, right? Is that the same as pen testing or different? It, so pen testing is, is the, is the uh, you, you've been formally awarded a contract that you can, you've been presented to uh, like, please break into our company and we're getting compensated for that. Ethical hacking is something you can do on the internet. Um, it's kind of like, uh, if you guys don't know, anything that, that is attached to the internet is open to be, um, we'll say, like, touched. 
So if there's a SCADA system, which is super bad, if it's on the internet, you can touch it. But the only time when it becomes a, an illegal act is when you change or modify something. So an ethical hacker would say, hey, man, I got a hold of this, you know, this RDP. I can see your desktop. Nothing has been changed. I'm just showing you that something is representative. I haven't, or even if you put like some type of command exploit because it was available to the internet, um, ethical hacking is you sending an email saying, hey, here's this machine, here's the IP, here's this exploit. Just heads up, good luck, have fun. Um, that that's when ethical hacking is is really good. I, I really I like to go to I go to DefCon. Uh, I try to go almost every year if I can. And what I love the most about, especially in one of these days, Tesla, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you so good, Tesla. So they have cars out there, right? And they're like, hey, man, if you guys can hack into these cars, even Jeep has one too, um, we'll give you 10000 bucks right now. We have a checkbook ready today. And that's how you make really good security is you have these ethical hackers that say, hey, man, I'm going to try to get in and see if I can break in. And those those uh, bug bounties are actually really good for um, education and protection of the, of, uh, the client. Okay, that sounds like the equivalent of what some people might call a hackathon. You know, mm-hmm. building code, scripting things, except this is a break in a thon. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Break in a thon and take control of thon and get root a thon. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of place you go without a phone turned on. Yes, and all that stuff, right? No credit cards in your wallet. Yeah, so that's when you go and you buy like a you buy a, a, a you know a, a, fa- a flip phone. At, at the, uh, you know, the airport and you turn off all your Bluetooth because that place gets pretty serious. Very serious at DEF CON. I imagine so. What type of skills, you mentioned what would make someone uh, be interested in security or have a mind for it. What other skills would you say someone needs to build to get into that industry? Yeah, so just security in general. Um, I mean, I was, I kind of gave a talk about this uh um, on a, you know, a podcast or whatever, it was like kind of how to get into the cybersecurity. My thing is, man, if you, if you can go two routes, you can go the certification route. Um, you can, you can, you know, go to degrees and all that stuff. And if you believe those billboards that if you're going to come to Oklahoma or North Texas, cause you have a degree and you're going to make 55 grand out the gate, um, they are lying to you because that's not how the world works. Um, you have to understand how computers work. How can you, how can you break into a computer if you don't even know, like, how a hard drive or cylinders are. How do you not know, like, you know, like, uh, like what if, what a fat table is, what a fat 32, like there's, there's so many building blocks you're missing. Um, as I always say, some of the best hackers that we have on our team um, know how to build a computer. That's very important. Know how a network works, can set up a firewall, knows how to turn on and off a firewall, knows how to set up DHCP, Active Directory. Um, we use a great tool called Bloodhound, which is one of our favorite tools. You can use it as an audit tool. So if you know Active Directory, when we get a hold of a machine environment, we, we dispatch what's Bloodhound and we get the path of least resistance to the domain, um, domain admin. And knowing that, it will make you the best uh, hacker ever. I, I'm not, I am by far not even close to a great hacker. I'm a good hacker. And the reason why I'm a good hacker is because I know how computers work. I know how networks work. I know about VoIP. I know about segmentation. I know about all that stuff, and um, and I, I just know how to use a little bit of Metasploit. I'm 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 pretty weak, but I have yet to not break into a company of all the ones we we've worked into. So, oh wow! So it sounds like if I'm an IT generalist today, I could slide into the security spot if I were 
to hone my skills a little bit more in what I'm doing today, but just sort of focus on security incidents. Yes, please. And give me a call. <laughs> nice. No, but for real, like it's tough. People, IT journalists, man, they, they're overlooked. If I can take an IT journalist and kind of sway them into the, like the uh, Cali, the Metasploit, the exploitation part and talk about lateral movement, they are one step away from being a really, a really quality um, pen tester. And that's what we're looking for. And I will say the market is super thin and we definitely have a, a senior position open. So if you know anybody, please apply today. <laughs> there you go. Hit Donovan up, send your resume. You know, but yeah, we, we are, our interviews are intense, but, but um, yeah, we're, we're always trying to teach and we're always going out and trying to make the community better and stronger by teaching people how to get into it. Um, because um, I will tell you this, another thing is a lot of people, it's just different. Uh, a lot of people like they go to college to be in cybersecurity, which is fine. Um, but a lot of the, my team, which I would say we're kind of a boutique, we're not more of a traditional business. Um, our guys love this. My guys, when they go home, do you know what they do? They, 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 they do research and they do development. I mean, they will come back and say, man, guess what? Like, check this out. Like, like my guys, just so you guys know, we have two projects we worked on in the past. I'm going to share two of them with you. Um, they came back and they said, Hey boss, man, check out, check out this, this, uh, this antenna. I was like, why do you have an antenna in the office? They're like, no, no, no. Look, people still are sending pagers and there's all kinds of communication we can catch. Check this out. And I mean, it's, it's open air. It's unencrypted. They're just like, look at it. And this nuts. And we have a decoder and we're hearing real conversations. And I mean, you know, and that's, so they just did that for R and D. And then the second one we finally got accomplished um, with Robert, I'll give you a little shout out, and also Lemon. We're able to uh, proxy cards. Um, we're able to, so if we have a proxy card, we can we can uh, duplicate that. Easy peasy. We had a bank that shut us down uh, multiple times. They have four security guards with guns, and we didn't want to get shot nor tased during this physical engagement. Um, so we borrowed. Actually, we we had the visitor basket. We did a pen test later. And they, uh, uh, I'm sorry, an audit. So we cloned it. And we came in, we went up the elevator, scanned the badge in the elevator, got up and went past security and was able to talk to our contact. And he was just like, I guess I'll tell security, right? But even better than that, we also now have an antenna. Talk, see, that makes sense. We were doing antenna stuff. We did proxy. We have an antenna now because we understand it. We can duplicate. We can copy that within four feet now. We get in an elevator with someone who has a proxy, a proxmar, a proxy card. We can duplicate that signal because, uh, as you guys know, a proxy card has the the copper inside of it, and what it does, it has no power. But when you push it to it, that card reader shoots energy uh, power to it, and that's how it gets the read. So we're pushing that to the card, we're getting the read information, and we're duplicating it in the truck, coming back in, and now we're you. Wow. That's fascinating. But, but I mean, that's just what we do. Like those guys, I didn't tell them to do that. <laughs> they just. They're, they're junkies is what they are. <laughs> how, do you, how do you separate whether somebody's going to be a good person or a bad person when they know how to do this stuff, Donovan? Like if you're interviewing a candidate to work in that industry, are there certain sniff tests that you do to determine, okay, this person may like the power too much and be one of the bad guys? So um, in my career, I can tell you that so what happens is what's very strange is there's a very question. And, and again, I, I'll, I'll know if someone hears this podcast and then answers it correctly. You'll talk to a lot of people. They have this what's called I call a God complex. 
and they love power and they'll talk about how they love to take over and they love to like have God mode and be in charge. And that's kind of some weird stuff. I'm saying I, not for my team, but there's been a few people I've talked to, even in the industry that love to have that control. Um, you can tell pretty quick. Um, my team, if you can tell, so there's the bad guy. The good guy is, you know, I want to break in. I want to do this, but, but it's good for me because it's exciting because I want to know it. But I have to let my client know. I have to let them know because this is not fair to them. The infrastructure they have or what they've been sold is not the right one for them. So I'm not only do I want to fix it, but I also want to provide them a solution. And I want to help provide that because I don't want anyone to rip off my client. There, There's the two things is someone like kind of getting excited about. I mean, we get excited about like having the God complex and withholding information and then the giving information and wanting to help the client. And you can tell that pretty quick um, with uh, obviously we do background checks too. <laughs> but <laughs> of course, and I imagine yours are quite good just based on the industry you're in. I think that we provide a better background check than the typical background check. <laughs> That's probably true. I believe it. Now, you you mentioned earlier in your career you really enjoyed the teaching people and helping them learn, and it sounds like you've carried that forward into your business with the people you've hired. Did you have mentors and teachers along the way? throughout your career that did the same for you? Or is this a quality that you've always just had? Absolutely not. I, I never had anyone to help me. And and uh, it, it's kind of, and it, honestly, if I had, I would have been on a different track. I always tried to lean on people and be like, man, do you know about this? No one knew about it. I had to figure it out on my own. And I'm not, that's not a brag. It, it actually sucked. I hated it because it was very difficult. It hurt my brain a lot. But, but the coolness was is, I always wanted to, if someone had any questions, even about my business, I do a lot of entrepreneurship um, leadership and I've had a lot of awards for that. I never want someone to be alone when they're trying to do something better for humanity. And if I can, and if I can be a little piece of that, I kind of talked about this earlier before, you know, you're recording, you were like, whoa, hold up. Um, it's all about the legacy. It's the kind of the wire here. We all want to make money and that's good. But I even said, uh, if 15 years down the road, someone's like, man, you know why I'm here? And like, I'm, I have my own business and I'm killing it because this one guy, his name was Donovan. I don't remember his last name. He he came and spoke at my school and and he really inspired me to be something bigger. And, and he taught me to, you know, you know, believe in myself or, you know, even taught me a new exploit. You know, don't let don't let don't let the corporation get you down or do what you want. That 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 means more to me than than that's like the, that's like the million bucks thing, you know. Everyone can have a million bucks, but if you have a legacy, I mean, that's that's forever. And and they'll tell their kids about that. Uh, just like me and my, my grandfather, right? Um, I'll tell my, my kids know my grandfather, and they'll tell their kids about my grandfather. So my grandfather will never die. He'll always be a legacy. And that's just something that can always be passed down, never watered down. I think it only gets, like, better, like a good whiskey, you know? Like, it gets distilled because I think the stories may get a little jaded, but it always just gets better, like – they become even more, they become even better as they get aged, as the generations go down. And and to me, for some reason, that really is good for me. And I hope one day that people can look back and be like, man, that Donovan guy was a good guy. And he helped a lot of people and made a lot of jobs for uh, the cybersecurity and forensic industry in uh, Oklahoma and Texas. Wasn't it the Sandlot where uh, he's having the vision of Babe Ruth and he says, heroes get remembered, kid, but legends never die. Legends never die. I mean, it's so true. It's, it's, it's so true. Even, um, it's funny as my, my kids, 
I always talk about carrying on the, the torch, especially my uh, my youngest daughter. Her name is uh, her name is her name is Ava, and I got my AF. It's Ava Pharaoh. That's what she thinks it's for, and I tell her that's what it is. Alias Frenzy's but She's like, it's Ava Pharaoh. I'm like, yes, baby, that's what it is. And she's like, one of these days I'm gonna run my own company. I'm like, that's right, because you can do your own. And just having that, because even anyone that's listening to this, I hope that you, the best reward you can give is to give back. That may sound silly, and whether that's money or whatever, time, but um, a lot of people are lost out there. And if you've been given a gift to make your own company and make something of yourself, um, it's your duty to give back. You can ask all the people. I do. I mentor probably about eight to ten people. And my payment, my tell you, Mike, if you want to pay me back, you make sure that you tell two people about what we talked about and you give back. That's your mission. And that's only going to be better for the world. That's, that's just my piece, what I'm doing. Yeah, that's great. I know a lot of people out there are needing a mentor, someone to kind of guide them on the career path or the life path, whatever it is, somebody to talk to so that they know, hey, you're not alone. Here's what I found got me to success and maybe you can take a similar path. And I really like that. I appreciate the fact that you give back. And it sounds like you're the whole reason you went out on your own is because you felt like you were giving back through that work more so than working for a corporation. Yeah. It it really wasn't about the money. It really was not. That's not why it started. Um, I felt like there was, there was a, a intelligence, issue with because even the people that were getting trouble way back in like 2007 um the expert witness was like an it guy that knew nothing about security or nothing about forensics or security nothing as it guys but as you guys know there's database guys there's network guys there's server guys there's forensic guys security guys and it's it's like you know the forensics guys like the brain surgeon you don't want him treating your cold but you definitely don't want the cold guy you know working on your brain you know what i'm saying like so it's having someone who can diagnose a cold working on brain surgery. It's not, it, it's, it was new back then and it, it's getting there and it's still not even there yet. We still got so many years to go for people actually recognize and accept what forensics is. And, 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 and even for uh, as cybersecurity, I mean, it's in the news all the time. And why is it? Because no one actually cared about it. It was an afterthought. <clears throat> and now um, my biggest marketing team is called MSNBC, CNN, Fox, uh, you know, all the stock shows because it, it's happening every free marketing. Solar winds, colonial pipeline hack, all the things. Yep. The beef and then someone trying to like, quote unquote, poison a water in California. That's insane, man. We better get together. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because we've been talking about this for 10 years and it's happening and we were right. And it's just, it's good to be here again, talking about security for almost 10 years. It's, it's actually pretty sobering, I guess. I imagine it's probably pretty sobering to be the person who is running the company, you know, after you've had all this experience working for corporations, you're running your own company, you're responsible for really all these employees, right? How do you learn to think at that level? Man, I don't, I mean, honestly, I've made a lot of mistakes as a boss. Again, let me just, let me just explain that. I started this company as a hobby and then all of a sudden it became a company. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I got to pay these people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm responsible not only for my employees, but I'm also responsible for their families. <sighs> all the deep breaths, scared. And then, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a panic, but you know, after a while you, you kind of get used to it and you realize, you know, cause you always worry about that next revenue. You don't ever want to let anyone down. I, I just kind of did everything different. Um, I never expand unless I had the cash. I'm 
happily a debt-free company. I have zero debt. Um, I only operate in cash. And I can happily say through COVID, even though it was really tough, um, we didn't let anyone go. We actually hired two people and we grew 18%. Wow, that's fantastic. And I just think that's just not thinking bigger than I, I am or was or whatever. Um, just living in reality and it's honestly running a business. Um, if you don't need the money, don't spend it. Um, I feel like I was, I worked, you know, two jobs for a long time and I was poor for like 10 years. I mean, I was like, I, I, I did, I had a, I had a, I mean, like, you know, Donovan today, I'm just let you guys know, like I had a house, it was $88,000 and I drove a cube for like forever. You guys know what a cube is? Like I had a brand new 15,000. Oh yeah. Car, so. <laughs> and I drove it. I, had, I mean, it was like six years of my life easy out of this career. And I, and I finally got a truck, but it was like five years old. And that's fine. I'm just saying like, you don't start at the top. And if, and if that's what I think even the world today, kind of soapboxing this whole like Instagram, Snapchat world we live in. Listen, man, I don't, I don't know. Listen, I'm, I'm a very successful man. I don't know how these people go to like Bahamas and take photos. I think they're just glorious in debt. It, it, I mean, they have nothing. They don't have a job. They don't have a career. They have nothing behind them. But they're, your friends you're seeing are all going on vacation. That's all fake. That's not real. And 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 trust me, you you hunker down, you buckle in, you just let them because it used to bug me. I was like, how are these people have nicer cars than me? Like, I feel like I have a good job. I feel like I'm saving. It's because I'm not just spending like 90% of my worth. I saved every penny. And that's how I was able to launch Alias all the ways because I had no debt. And I was able to make one year worth of salary for all the team jump on and then double that and go from there because there was no sense of failure because I had too many, too many kids to take care of. So it's, it's, you have to start the bottom. You, you're not, you, you're not going to be rich. So get over it. You won't be rich for a long time. And if you think you are, then just go work for someone else and be rich with your salary. Uh, that, sorry, that's some real stuff right there. It's a weird, yeah. weird world we live in today. That's not real. Well, being a good steward of your resources, whether it's time or finances is, I mean, that's a thing that can determine all kinds of possibilities for you. And if you're in major debt, that's a lot of stress. People get divorced over that people in their lives because of that, you know, it can cause some major problems. So kudos to you for managing the finances well and, and understanding the gravity of being in charge of the people under you. That sounds like a great leadership philosophy. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the world lacks that today, and that's all also on the entrepreneurial side with the uh, young Oklahoma young professionals and a few other people in Tulsa. Um, I preach that all the time. Uh, perfect example: someone's like, "Hey, man, I gave myself a raise." I'm like, "Oh, that is so cool." Why? They're like, "Well, I made I made more money." I was like, "I don't, I don't. That's not why. Why do you need more money?" I was like, "Did you get a new house? Did you get a new car? Do you have medical bills? Are you, are you going to school?" They're like, "No." I was like, "I don't need a stupid raise." What? What are you going to do with a raise? I mean, I deserve it. Do you deserve it? Do you want to take it and put it in your pocket so you can blow it? Or do you want to put it back in your company and invest for the next day? And then I got a message like a week later and they're like, I, I gave back my raise to the company. I'm like, yes, that's exactly the answer because you don't need it. Get, get, get okay. I'm not saying it's super comfortable. Just get okay to where all your bills and you're, you're building it. Because if you eat today, you won't have anything tomorrow. Yeah. So get deep here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, let me ask this. As a as your business owner, as a business owner, excuse me, you 
you have to determine what the sweet spot and the specialty of your business is going to be. You mentioned Alias being a bit of a boutique. How yeah. do you decide if the services offered by your company need to change and what determines that? Oh man, that's, that's a, I feel like that was a, I feel like we discussed this before you asked it to me. That was a super layup. So uh, as you know, the company was initially called Alias Forensics. Okay. Um, so we had forensics, right? So forensics kind of, you did a lot of forensics, decent amount of business that, and then we had incident response, which, Hey man, someone broke in my company. Can you tell me how you did this? Isn't that, isn't it like forensics? I'm like, that's exactly like forensics. Actually. I know what I can actually tell you how they got in because that's literally what forensics is just on a more, we'll say a quicker scale. And then from that point, my clients are like, Hey man, do you know about like security? I'm like, yeah, dude, like you gotta have a pen test or some device that could kind of block traffic and you got to make sure your firewalls work. And they're like, do you know what a company that does that? I'm like, oh, no, I don't know anybody that does that. You know what? I can do that, but I can like try it. Like we don't do that, but like we can check it out. And they're like, yeah, man, cause no one knows what's going on. So I was like, sweet. So we started doing that. And um, kind of from that, it was kind of like a need for the clients. It's, it's what they needed because, and also it was great because I mean, I can tell you this today, uh, like 70% of our, our revenue, 75 comes from security now, which is pretty wild. Um, and I'll even double down on that. You have to move the times. You have to move what is necessary. Um, so even when we, uh, alias forensics, and you'll love this. Here's some cool marketing ninja foo. Um, if we're doing security now, how do you let the world know that alias forensics does security? Just let the, let the crowd think about that. You can pause if you like. <laughs> I'll tell you the answer. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm actually one of my most, one of the important things, one of the most important things for my business is marketing. I can tell you that everyone on the end the world thinks that we're like 30 or 40 people because our marketing is phenomenal. So what we did for the next two years, anytime we posted blog posts, podcasts, presented, talked about us, we didn't say one word about forensics, zero. We always said alias forensics does security. And then it got to a point in Oklahoma where it was like, oh, yeah, I mean, they're a good security company. And they're like, I wonder if they do forensics. And they're like, oh, man, of course they do. It's called Alias Forensics. It's crazy. That's how we were able to grow a community without changing the name because everyone loves the AF. And by the way, the AF was before it was for as Frank, just so we're clear. It was before you darn millennials uh, did your thing. But don't forget to you know, check out our podcast, Secure AF. Uh, <laughs> that's different. But what I'm saying is, so we did that. We kind of add to your question, how do you keep moving? And then we moved into Dallas and I was like, well, man, that's going to be hard. Like if we go into Dallas, alias forensics, they're going to think we're just forensics. So um, during COVID, uh, we changed, everything was kind of calm. That was a perfect time for us to change the name to alias. You go to our website now, we're just, we're alias. What is alias? Alias is a cybersecurity company. Do they do forensics? Yes, but we make more revenue. We grow the company more from what the client wants, which is security. And that's when we open an office in um, in uh, Las Colinas in Texas. And if you guys check out my silly video, I talk about that. I'm just, I'm, I'm just I'm a silly guy, but we did that during COVID. And I'm happy that we um, kind of was able to grow and proceed with that. See, I thought Alias was a TV show. It, it is. No, it was. No, it totally was. So I did Alias Forensics. There's some other alias ballistics out there, but you know, we, we got, we got some, we got some trademarks. So, you know, if anyone wants to complain. <laughs> yeah. That's cool that you were able to expand. Yeah, no, it was, it was, a, it was a hard, it was a hard uh, mark. We keep the logo 
and we we went ahead and move on with the alias. So how do you brand and how do you keep moving on to the next town? I mean, I mean, we didn't want to have to start from scratch again, so we changed it to alias. And everyone in Oklahoma just knows exactly who we are. We don't have to have forensics. They still call us alias forensics in Oklahoma. It sounds like something maybe we as individuals should be doing if we want to get the message out about our work, a specific skill or specialty. We need to make sure that we're highlighting that in whatever body of work we're building. Of course. Whether it's posting on LinkedIn, Twitter, blogging, podcasting, videos, even even things you're doing, you know, internal for your company. You have a brand that is exposed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the best thing is, is you need to have, if you put it out there on whatever it is, don't, if you, if it's, if you're not going to think about it, make it look good, just don't do it because it's a waste of time and it's trash and you're just going to get scrolled. If you can put it out there and you have to say, am I going to look at this? Because you have, you have like an eighth of a second to grab someone's attention on LinkedIn. At best case, if they look at it, they you have three seconds. And if it's not worth your time, it surely is not worth anyone else's time. If it doesn't grab your 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 eyes, then it's not worth someone else who doesn't give who doesn't care about your company at all. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's some good uh, self reflection. It's painful. <laughs> now, did you did you have a body of work to reference when you started the company? Here's what we can do, or here's reference projects that we've done so that you get the credibility when you're walking into a new customer or attracting new customers i mean honestly like you know typically the cons like hey man can you and i'm like oh yeah totally let me explain it to you and, fair point yeah, fair point and, and i don't never done it maybe i'm sure i've done all of it before but sometimes they're like hey man can you do this thing and most likely if i can hear what they're wanting to say i can tell them how i would do it and they're like you've done this before i'm like Oh yeah, man. And what I'm saying is I've piecemealed all of that. I haven't done it what you're talking about, but I've done that in each kind of vertical and over the years I could swoosh together and make it a project. Yeah, I've done it. Absolutely. And here's a cool report. You know just enough to figure it out and do a good job. Exactly. And you know, in the world we live in today, if you don't know how to do stuff, man, you you're it's the worst. We have the internet, like you guys are super spoiled. I'm throwing it out there. I'm just keeping it real, like you're super, and I think I think it makes you even more lazy because it's almost readily available. Like you don't, it's it's almost too much information for people to kind of uh, learn an art and learn like a a niche because they feel if it's on YouTube, it's almost not worth it because it's so readily available when it could be something super critical. Yeah, Crazy. and to your point earlier, I endorse Barnes and Noble. I think it's an amazing place, and could probably yeah. sit in there all day if given the chance. It's just cool. But yeah, lots of information. Absolutely. I always said, I said I love going there. I bring my my kiddos there. I'll put them. They read the kid books. I'll drop the quarter coffee, make a little coffee cup, and I'll walk around and I'll look at all the books that I'm probably not going to buy, but I'll at least buy some kid books. So I kind of you know <laughs> just even it out. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Now, I saw in your profile, Donovan, that you've also been on the board of directors for some companies. What's that like? And why would you why would you want to do it? Um, so so typically what that's about, it's about um, one of the ones specifically. I'll just kind of talk about that one because I'm I'm a founder for that one. I'll discuss that. It is I put on I'm on a board for uh, Oklahoma um, OITA. Um, Oklahoma Information Technology Alliance, one of the founders, because um, I wanted Oklahoma to start focusing on 
and I, and again with coming to Texas too, I want to Oklahoma start focusing on um, why are tax dollars that I'm paying as a company and a citizen going to companies that do not go to Oklahoma companies. So um, we had to hunt everything down, um, and we finally figured out that how to like kind of how the process works. So we have an agreement with the state that we are going to start awarding and appreciating Oklahoma companies. What I always want, you can go back to videos of me, I don't know, probably seven, eight years ago, if you can find them. Um, what I always wanted, my goal was to make Oklahoma, Texas, and basically middle, uh, even Kansas, a tech spot for information security and cyber, um, uh, information security, cybersecurity, and digital forensics. I wanted to make our own industry. And it's very difficult for me to do that if all our tax dollars are going to companies that are not even here or they go to like, you know, the big boys, you know, E&Y and Deloitte and IBM and Dell. How, how does that help? How does that help the state? How does that help the local man? So we got an alliance and, and everyone just jumped onto it because if I went to a center representative said, hey, how about this? How about if we have an Oklahoma company who has Oklahoma jobs that pays taxes and they get a chance to get these Oklahoma contracts which then in turn makes them more jobs. They pay more taxes. They put more tax. In, and I was like, dude, it's, it's, it's the, it's the biggest one ever. There's no loss. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, because I mean, our, our guys get paid pretty well. So there's Oklahoma high paying jobs. There's more jobs. All that tax money is going back into the Oklahoma government. And then they award Oklahoma companies rinse and repeat. Boom, boom, boom. Because I always wanted to make something bigger than what I was. Because, again, going back to the legacy thing, I'm born and raised in Oklahoma. Again, I'm, I do a lot of work in Texas and Kansas. But I'm going to live there forever. And so are my children. If I can't make if I can't make an industry bigger, it was always my dream to, like, maybe oil and gas is maybe a second thought in Oklahoma or Texas. Probably not. But I, I appreciate the dream. But if I can build a, even the smallest industry in there and have grab big talent to stay there, um, Man, I, 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 that'd be a heck of a feather on the hat, and that's always been my dream. So, kind of influencing that on boards, um, giving advice about um, obviously cybersecurity and how that works has been a passion of mine. Um, because it, you know, even during, you know, as you kind of grow up, and, and I have kind of a soapbox real quick. I think there's a lot of people out there, and maybe even yourself, Nick, that you might have like imposter syndrome. And I talk about this all the time: is why am I doing? Hundred percent. Yeah, why am I doing this podcast? I don't think I'm that special. Everyone can do a podcast. Um, I mean, I'm in IT. Everyone can do IT, but can they? Are you sure? Are you doing it? The fact that you're doing it and you're moving, taking that next step, you're doing more than the other guy. And it took me a long time to realize that I was, quote, unquote, that special to start advising people on how to make Oklahoma better, make Texas better, make Kansas better. Like, let's get out in front of this stuff because we need this stuff. We're losing it. And if we have professionals that, that that we don't want them to go West Coast or East Coast, let's keep them here. Let's grow that talent. And it took me a while to get there. I definitely had that imposter syndrome. And and if anyone's suffering from that, like you're probably if you're thinking that, then you're probably wrong. If you think that I'm just some guy doing this, you're wrong. And you need to take a good look in the mirror and realize what you're doing. And that means more than the guy who's telling you're not worth it. I like that. A lot of times when we are fighting the imposter syndrome, it actually means we're doing a good job. <laughs> we're doing the thing we should be. Exactly. Yep. When you feel that, that little, I feel like it's like a haunt. Like, are you sure, man, can I really talk to this person? Am I, I do I even know what I'm talking about? Like you kind of like, you're like in a weird space. If you're in that world, you probably, 
it's because you're you're kind of ahead of your curve and it's because you're alone because you're almost too advanced for everyone else you you've you've lifted off the planet and you're in space and you don't know where to stand because you're away from everybody else which is a good spot to be here's a good quote by seth godin from a book he wrote called the practice embrace imposter syndrome the imposter is proof that we are creating innovating and leading thought that was interesting that's that's what i thought of when you started talking about it okay no i haven't heard that that's great it, it's it's so true it, it's such a weird feeling and and I, I, man who i well said I embrace it you, you're you have you have ventured past normal people and you're alone and it's scary what's the time commitment like if you're on a board of directors yeah so um uh the time commitment is to put on to be on a board of directors it depends on the cause. Um, I do have a lot of friends who are on them. Typically, they're they, you know, like once every quarter. Um, my group that I'm with, a few, we we meet once a month to kind of plan um, action plan. It depends on how intense it is. I've had a few board of directors that I'm an advisor on. I meet um, every quarter or what or biannually. Um, we'll see how the company's doing. Um, we'll get different reports about you know finances, growth. Um, protection of the company, insurance, stuff like that. And you just give, it's it's actually kind of really cool because like if you're just some smart person, you just give wisdom and they like they pay you to do it, which is cool. So I would say that in front of the day, I was like, man, are you sure? Like I, you want me on a board? They're like, yeah, man, you're like the guy. I'm like, you're going to pay me to do that? And they're like, absolutely. I'm like, so I just show up and just talk. Like, yeah. I'm like, that's great. So they sought you out. You didn't seek that them out. No, I don't. I never have. Um, I, I not, it just, it's nothing I, I, I mean, I know there's this like new like company that like search people to do that. I, they hunt, I don't, I've, I've never asked, I've never asked to be, um, I've always been poached. So I've had about probably four in my career. Um, and I just kind of give advice about what's going on. Cool. And, and, um, except for the, the, the only one, I'm the one that I kind of helped found. Obviously I don't get paid for that, which is fine, but it's nice to advise. And the cool part is you actually get to meet a lot of smart people. Um, you get a lot of different, um, perspectives of people. Um, it's always been important for me because I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not an old guy. I'm not a young guy. I'm 38, but to hear people who have been doing it for, you know, and they're like fifties or sixties, I'm very interested on how they perceive information and, and what they do with that. Um, because I, I hope that I can not make the same mistakes that they did and vice versa. And I'm not saying we've all made mistakes, but if I can learn from what they're presenting, um, it's only going to make me um, move faster as I get uh, older. Yeah. That's good advice. Okay, from owning a company to being on a board of directors, is that a different level of thinking? Yeah, yeah, it totally is. So I would say, man, owning a company is you do the best you can, and you're you're just I would say it's gunslinging, and you're just moving, you're moving revenue, you're 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 saying do this project, do that. Here we're gonna do your planning, you're pushing, you're making sure your deliverables are good. Uh, board of directors is imagine if um, someone brought you a painting. And a company had made this painting. They worked on it for a quarter or, or a year. And then you came in, whatever your your specialty is, and you like looked at it. But you had time to look at it. You had time to look at it and digest it and give feedback on and critique it. It's very methodical and you can really digest the company. So when I did it for the other a few other companies, um, which I have, I'm doing a few now, um, I can see kind of how the company's moving. I can look at the revenue without being in a hurry to make money. It's not my job to make money. That's not, that's not why I'm there. It's not my job to make sure, you know, 
people are doing their job or, you know, people aren't arguing or the sales aren't getting done. None of that's none of that busy work. I can take it. It's almost like looking at a forest from outside the forest. Like you're outside the forest, observing, mm-hmm. figuring out how things are growing. What, what do you see outside? Is, is there something, something outside the forest? You're like, well, there's, there's a dead tree over here in the, in the, in the right of this forest here. And then the CEO's like, well, I didn't see that. It was like, well, you wouldn't because you're running and you're burning yourself all because you're working hard to make sure you can make money. Well, this could be a problem. Let me explain why this can be a problem. I highly recommend this. You should have this fixed within three months. And you're basically taking the blinders off of someone who's working as hard as they can and bringing the most important parts to the front. That way they don't get sideswiped and potentially hurt their company. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Nice to have the that outside perspective so that it keeps you focused because your focus as someone on the board, like you said, you have a different field of vision compared to somebody who's in the weeds every day. Exactly. It's, um, it's a, it's a way calmer role. It's more of a, a more of a scotch role. If you guys drink scotch bourbon and like beers, like CEO, you know, that's like running hard, you know, scotch is more slower, more fine. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm more coffee, so like hyped up all the time. Yeah, you just burn. See, that's a CEO. That's just, you're burning both ends. And then you have like the tea guy, right? The tea guy's like on the board. Chamomile tea, you know, a little bit of milk. No, yeah. <laughs> right? Sure. Whatever floats your boat. Maybe it's a hibiscus, kind of fruity. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, they got that zen. Got the zen. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Donovan, I'm going to wrap it up here pretty soon. want to ask a couple of parting questions and closing thoughts. Yeah. I don't want to keep you too long. First one is, you know, you've, you've been on a board of directors multiple times. You've been venture capitalists, started your own business, worked in internal IT, internal security teams. How do you decide what's next for you, Donovan Farrow, in your career? Man, that, that's such a good question. So, so what, what what's next for me? So, honestly, um, man, that was a tough question. You know, honestly, I'm really in my company right now because I, I own a few of them. I'm just investing to build wealth. Um, that sure that way, maybe one day I don't have to work. To be honest, I mean, um, you know, who, who knows in the next few it's months? A good reason. In the next few months, you should you should check me out and see where I'm at. Um, working very hard to develop and build the group I'm with now and I can only take us further and there's a point where um, I realized that um, my knowledge and my scope and my ability cannot it can only go so high without more help and you have to transform a business Um, I'm not going anywhere I'm not saying that but you should just kind of pay attention what's happening next two or three months um, and see where we're headed because that is the next step and how we grow and how we kind of move in through different entities and, and how we transform is going to be pivotal um, to it. Is, there's a, there, I guess kind of echoing back, there's a point where you can only take it so far by yourself. So you have to bring more people in and make it a bigger, stronger establishment so you can reach further. Um, and that's like a whole other business acumen. Um, there's different levels. Once you change, uh, there's a good book called Scaling Up. It's difficult. One to three is different. Three to nine is different. Nine to 15 is different. 15 to 30 is different. And employee size, they're all different companies and you have to have different pieces of, of the chess board on it. And we are about to change a chess piece in a very, very good way. And that will be the next uh, next venture for us. And it's going to be really amazing and really awarding for everybody. But um, 
we'll see in about three months. Nice. Okay. We'll look forward to following along and seeing how that goes. Yeah. I think you've hinted at some of the next question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it. What do you feel is the best and worst career advice you've ever received? And any parting thoughts, words of wisdom for listeners? Okay. Well, mine is not going to be very good. The, the, I guess the worst wisdom, which I, I'll, I'll never forget. This is when my boss told me that you'll never, ever go anywhere without a degree. She was super wrong. Not that I'm against degrees. That's for me. <laughs> right. I would I would say you proved her wrong pretty well. <laughs> uh, best advice. Man, that's a good one. Best advice. You know, honestly, I would say that uh, never forget where you came from. And this is like an Anadarko thing. It's like some like little little rinky-dink town, which, which I love. It's where I'm from. And they always say, don't get too big. Just don't get too big. Because if you get too big that's when you overrate yourself and you will burn yourself out. And I, and I mean that saying that um, you're worth more than you are not saying I'm worth, I've, I've done really good. I'm a, I mean, I'm just whatever. I'm a very, I'm a very successful person where I've come from. I'm very proud of that. I say that with, with uh, confidence, not just, I'm not bragging, but you can't let yourself get too big because if you get too big, then you don't take care of the people that have gotten you there. You lose track of why you got there. It's not because of you. Sure. But it's the people that have surrounded you, that believed in you and trusted you, that got you where you wanted to go. Yeah, great advice. Fantastic. And I think it falls in line with some of some of the other guests that gave some advice on being humble and not being above doing certain things. Yeah. Uh, that really resonates. Yeah. Hey, Donovan, you said you do mentor some people for free. Uh, if people have questions as a result of these interviews, is it okay if they reach out to you and follow up? I ask people all the time, even when I speak everywhere, if you have any questions on LinkedIn, I'm there all the time. If I don't respond to you for a few days, I'm not ghosting you. I, I do run a few businesses, so I'm not, I'm not being mean. Um, I just, I, if I respond, even, even as Nick, I didn't respond, but when I respond, I want to make sure that you have my full attention. And what I say to you is actually mean something as opposed to me like, yeah, okay, I got it. Or just um, make something up. I want to make sure that my time that is dedicated to you is actually important and actually means something to you as opposed to just saying I got it or making stuff up to get you off my plate. That's good. I find that people who have that same mindset do the same thing with their families. Hey, I want to make sure I'm giving you my full attention, you know, spouse, kids, yeah. significant other. That's great. Appreciate it. Yeah. Quality of time. We only, I would say everyone always forgets that this is, this is a thing to repeat all the time is, you have the exact same amount of hours in the day as the most richest man and the poorest man or woman in the world. What you do with your time is up to you. And the only reason why you are where you are now is because you choose to use that time towards something that is not part of your goals. There you go. I like it. Well, listen, Donovan, this has been a fantastic conversation. We want to say thank you so much for your time. We'll have to follow up with you again sometime in the future and, and see how things are going. So Donovan Farrow, thank you so much for being on Nerd Journey. We appreciate it and talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks for having me on. See ya.
Nick, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. And, and one of the things that I noticed after listening back was this theme of giving back that he had, whether that was the specific advice he was taught, uh, giving about getting into security, whether it was mentorship, whether it was um, being on a board of directors, uh, even advocacy for local businesses uh, over out-of-state businesses. It was all a way of giving back and, and paying it forward, so to speak, you know? Absolutely. And he mentioned that no one really helped him along the way as a guide as he was getting into this industry, and he wanted to make sure that others were not alone out there who might want to pursue it. And like you said, the the giving back, I like his analogy of the CEO being the gunslinger who's trying to make sure the revenue comes in and can't actually see the forest that the board of directors can't. You know, in the episodes with Brad Tompkins, I think it was around episode 71 and 72, he talked about his interaction with the VMware user group board of directors, but Donovan talks about his experience being a part of a board of directors. He got recruited to do it. He got paid for it, you know, is getting paid for it. So who knows? You know, maybe you're someone out there with a great expertise. You, maybe you're going to get recruited to be on a board of directors one day and learn to think at a whole new level, make some interesting connections. And I liked his emphasis on really being a good steward with your own money and the company's money. You don't need to give yourself a raise unless you really need to. Put it back in the company and build wealth. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just really, really good advice. I can see myself coming back and listening to this episode a couple of times. Um, and probably each time I'll, I'll give myself a, a positive review on Apple Podcasts, right? I would. At least five stars, John. Maybe six for you. Right, right. I think that the thing that I noticed is that it's difficult for me to listen to these episodically. Right. I, when I listened to the first one, I, I immediately wanted to, to listen to the second half. And obviously I had the ability to. So I did. <laughs> um, I can't imagine what it's like to be uh, to be a, an actual listener and have it, having to wait a week. Uh, we're really quite mean to do that. I mean, the level of anxiety that has to create in people. We're sorry. Yeah. Nick, anything else before we get out of here? No, we've built up enough anxiety, John. Just a reminder that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review, especially John. Give him six stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners, and tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at VJourneyman, for Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off.